Chapter Forty Nine of Just As I Am. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Just As I Am by Mary Elizabeth Braden. Chapter Forty Nine. I will never live under his roof. The dreary wakefulness of Lizzie Hardman's first night in Milton Street, Blackford, was relieved only by feverish snatches of sleep. Her brain was perpetually picturing the scene of the previous day, traveling over the same ground, recalling every word and every look of her tormentors and then imagination went to work and pictured all that had occurred after she left tangley aunt dora would think her ungrateful morton would be disgusted at her abrupt departure no one would say a good word of her she must needs seem a traitor and an ingrate these mental tortures would have been quite enough to keep her awake all night but bodily discomfort added a last drop of bitterness to her cup the small stuffy bedchamber the lumpy flock bed were a sore trial after her airy room and comfortable spring mattress her bedroom had not been by any means one of the best at the manor house its furniture consisted chiefly of old-fashioned articles discarded from the principal apartments but it was large and airy with windows that commanded a lovely vista in tangley wood it was perfumed by the roses and jasmine that climbed up to the window-sill it was kept exquisitely clean and it was brightened and adorned by aunt dora's numerous gifts what a change to the second-floor bedroom in milton street with its hideous geometrical paper in orange and brown its patches of gaudy kidderminster its colored counterpane and flaring pink and green abomination in the shape of a fire-stove ornament jessie who had never seen anything better was rather proud of her bower and introduced her sister to it with perfect satisfaction of mind there's my wilcox and gibbs she exclaimed pointing to her sewing machine ain't it a beauty i saved up my money to buy it and it's paid for itself twice over since i've had it how do you like them vases on the chimney-piece jim gave them to me that's polly's young man you know and now it was the first morning of lizzie's life in her new home she had been introduced to all her relations to uncle hardman otherwise father which patriotic title was in his case an honorary distinction like the freedom of a city to a prince of blood royal as he had never had any children to her brother william who had told her 
she was a pretty girl and had pledged himself to find her a good husband among his mates at the foundry to polly and to polly's young man who just looked in at breakfast time to inquire if his betrothed would like to see mr montmercy in ritchie loo lizzie found them all friendly but all outrageously vulgar the printer's reader was the best mannered and the best informed but then like many self-educated people he was horribly conceited he laughed openly at his betrothed bad grammar and evidently considered her aunt a very inferior person breakfast was a scramble each member of the family provided for his or her own particular meal mrs hardman fried her rasher on the top of the fire while jessie toasted herrings in front of it william and his uncle began with oatmeal porridge and wound up with cold hash mutton and potatoes the mistress of the house had her teapot the girls made cocoa for their own drinking the combination of odors from the frizzling bacon and herrings was far from agreeable there was no cloth on the table the plates and cups and saucers were all odd and mostly cracked everybody was in a hurry everybody spoke with his or her mouth full lizzie recalled her breakfast of yesterday morning the pretty room the snowy damask soft and rich as satin the old indian bowls of crimson and yellow roses such roses as seemed to grow only at tangley the glittering silver the pretty china the homemade bread and butter the fruit and honey and daintiness of a breakfast designed to tempt delicate appetites she fancied herself strong-minded and yet the loss of these luxurious surroundings troubled her even midst her pain at being parted from her benefactress that one great sorrow which she told herself ought to have been her only thought the day was bright and sunny and when breakfast was over and the family had dispersed jessie was eager for the proposed exploration of blackford's best and busiest streets but lizzie begged to be excused for this particular morning she had a headache and she had a letter to write two reasons for staying at home you do as you like my dear said her aunt our jess is always glad of any excuse for being idle if you've got a letter to write go into the parlor and write it and don't let no one worry it you you'd better be off to your sewing machine jess and try and get them children's frocks done by saturday night as you promised the lady how will you look her in the face i should like to know if you can't keep your word lor aunt i should say i have a morning order of course 
lizzie was ushered into the parlor a room which looked into the street and which was somewhat larger and a great deal cleaner than the kitchen having lived in a house where daily life was spent in the best and biggest rooms lizzie wondered much why her uncle's family herded together in the hot kitchen instead of making use of the cool clean parlor she fancied the room must be unhealthy or that there must be some cogent reason why it should be tabooed by the family there was not a thread awry in the state apartment scarlet moreen curtains edged with black velvet draped the window knitted antimacassats shrouded the horsehair chairs and sofa there was a good deal of beadwork in the way of mats and there was a good deal of primitive color in the way of carpet the centre table was of mahogany sticky with much varnishing and on it were disposed at mathematical intervals two photographed albums and three gift books lizzie seated herself before this table and in sheer languor of spirits explored one of the albums oh what dreadfully common-looking people her sister's friends were how badly their gowns hung and how embarrassed they all seemed as to the disposal of their hands broad grins alternated with expressions of awful solemnity every sitter seemed to have just laid down the same book on the same richly carved oak table in front of the same impossible combination of grecian architecture and tropical foliage she closed the portrait gallery and opened one of the books it was a cheap edition of scott's poems in pearl type and on the fly-leaf was written to polly with gems true love hoping she may find improvement for her mind in these pages it was no use to sit idling there her letter must be written sooner or later her letter of explanation to aunt dora she did not want to lose the afternoon post but she felt that the letter would be very difficult to write she did not wish to accuse clementine and horatia of unkindness she could not speak of the accusation they had brought against her yet now else could she explain her own conduct jessie had brought her a blotting book with pens and paper and a smart green glass ink bottle was staring her in the face she had no excuse for dawdling but when she had dipped the pen in the ink she paused at a loss how to express herself and at last threw down the pen with a sigh of disgust and leant her head upon her hand in a deep despondency what are they doing now at tangley she wondered what was morton doing he was in his study most likely writing or reading did he miss her 
of late she had spent much of her time in his study he had been teaching her latin in order that she might understand any quotation which she might meet with in the course of her reading and partly that she might be able to talk him about horace whose odes were the only poetry which morton thoroughly appreciated modern verse was too high-strung and metaphysical for his taste the byronic school was too passionate but horace always satisfied him he was a man for whom a little poetry of a plain straightforward character was sufficient lizzie allowed her fancies to wander back to the home she had left and to hang tenderly round the images of those who dwelt there she thought of her horse and pictured to herself morton's morning visit to the stables what will he do with my poor paragon she wondered i hope he will ride or drive him dear paragon to think that such a well-behaved horse should be the indirect cause of my leaving tangley it was morton's gift of the cob that made those girls so angry while she sat idly thinking a footstep sounded on the stairs there was a murmur of voices just outside her door surely that was a voice she knew a tangly voice the door opened as she started to her feet and in the next moment she was sobbing on dora blake's shoulder my darling i have come to fetch you home no auntie dearest i am not so weak as that she answered struggling with her tears i have not been playing a part not running away in order that i might be sent for or fetched no dear auntie i was very much in earnest but i am so thankful you have come for i can tell you a good deal that i could never have written i don't want to hear anything put on your hat and bid your relations good-bye and come with me i have a cab at the door and we shall catch the one o'clock train for highclerk dear aunt it is quite impossible i shall never come back to tangley absurd ridiculous just because my nieces have given themselves airs temper lizzie temper no auntie it is not temper i have put up with their airs that kind of thing never worried me much had i not your love to make life sweet no it is not temper but i would not stay in the queen's house though it were high treason to leave it if any one in that house thought me a mean designing woman who ever thought you that or pretended so to think your nieces come lizzie half-truths won't do you must tell me the whole truth i have a right to know lizzie could not deny that right and she told miss blake the gist of the conversation which had driven her from tangley manor you see dear auntie that my own self-respect forbids my return 
i cannot see that dear what can it matter to you if these girls in their jealousy chose to think you are setting your cap at their brother you should be able to laugh their insinuations to scorn knowing your own straightforwardness yes i might do that but they would not hold their tongues they would put the same notion into other people's minds perhaps even morton himself might come to believe it concluded lizzie turning crimson at the mere thought of such a thing morton is much too sensible i hope he is but i will never live under his roof while he is single i will not give any one ground for thinking ill of me perhaps years hence when he is married and has a family he will let me come to tangley to take care of his house or his children and what are you to do in the meantime while he is choosing his wife and growing his family i have my plans all made auntie all i want is to carry them out i am not going to tell you that i have a mission or any nonsense of that kind but i think that as i am a young woman without any close ties or duties except to love you and be grateful to you dearest i ought to do something for my fellow creatures now you know i have done a good deal of nursing among our sick poor and that i am not a bad nurse bad you are the best nurse i ever had anything to do with but what has this to do with your future life everything there is a society in london and at blackford for nursing the poor at their own houses and i am going to become a member of that society if i can get employed by it i have read all about it in the newspapers and i know pretty well what the work is and what will be required of me the nurses are ladies by birth and education they live in a home provided by the society and they receive a small salary so you see if i can get admitted to the blackford home i should be quite independent and you will slave yourself to death the other nurses have not died of the work there are some who have been doing it for seven or eight years i will not hear of such a thing lizzie philanthropy is all very well but i will not hear of your youth being sacrificed to the miseries of other people oh auntie why did you teach me to care for the poor if you didn't mean me to lead a life of usefulness among them i did not want you to grow up like my nieces frivolous and selfish to the core of your heart but i meant you to have some pleasure in your life and as yet you have had none and now you desert me just when you are most necessary to my happiness and you want to join a nursing sisterhood 
if you have made up your mind not to return to tangley i will make myself a home elsewhere i will take a house at avonmore and you and i will live there together force you to leave the house where you were born no auntie not for the world it was in vain that dora blake urged and pleaded and expostulated lizzie was firm as a rock she had told herself that she must be thorough and she was thorough proof even against the entreaties of the friend whom she loved as a mother the end of it was that miss blake went back to tangley that afternoon completely baffled and had to acknowledge her failure to morton whose disappointment at lizzie's non-arrival was more intense than the occasion seemed to warrant she is an obstinate girl said aunt dora with a sigh she has taken it into her perverse head that she ought to lead a life of usefulness and she is going to join a nursing sisterhood and she will wear a ridiculous bonnet exclaimed clementine it all comes from an exaggerated idea of one's own importance in the world and a desire to distinguish oneself from the ruck of mankind that kind of ambition will never urge you to sacrifice your own comfort for the sake of other people said morton with an angry glance at his pretty sister no i hope i should never be so silly answered tiny with charming naivety and now as lizzie is not coming back i suppose i may ride the cob he will splinter his stable into in lucifer matches if he doesn't get more exercise you are very obliging i shall send him out to grass for a month perhaps by that time lizzie may have changed her mind and come home again i shouldn't be much surprised if she were home by the end of the week retorted tiny i dare say she is only trying to make a feature of herself by this absurd conduct end of chapter forty nine recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc